Hi, everybody. Good morning. Let's rise up. There were walls between us. By the cross, you came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name, and then my heart came alive. Oh, your love is great. together friends 
Uh, so God, we come to church today to honor you and to bless your name for all that you've done. Uh, sounds really Christian-y to say bless your name, but it feels right because uh, you've blessed us with so much. And uh, God, I'm thankful for a quote by A.W. Tozer said, that says, before anything else, uh, we are worshipers. God, you've created us to worship you. Uh, and you said in your scriptures that creation worships you. The trees of the fields clap their hands. And that if we won't worship, that the rocks themselves will cry out. So, uh, God, we pray that we can keep a few rocks quiet today. And uh, pray, God, that uh, you hear thanks from our heart and thanks from our lives and worship from our soul that says, God, we're thankful for all that we have and we're thankful for all that you've done. And may time stand still just for these moments as we gather in these seats today. Lord, uh, we're looking for you to move. We're looking for you to do something. We're looking for you to break walls down. We're looking for you to draw us closer and maybe... Um, Maybe that'll happen in a huge way today. So may the God of miracles uh, come and do uh, his work today, we pray in Jesus' name. We all say and pray together. Amen. God bless you guys. Glad you're here. Hey, take a second while you're standing. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm uh, another one of the pastors on staff here. My name is Sam, and we are just so excited that you have joined with us on this Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is a, a day that our country um, celebrates and remembers those who have, um, have given the ultimate sacrifice of, of sacrificing their lives for um, our country, for our freedoms that we get to experience. And so if you are a family member, a relative, or, or some, someone close to you, um, that would describe them. We just want to say a huge thank you to you. And uh, yeah. And we would also like to take some time to recognize um, any of you who have either in the past or are currently serving with our armed forces. If that's you, would you just stand up? We want to recognize you and say thank you to you guys as well. Thank you so much for your service. Um, we have one announcement that we want to make you aware of, and that is that on June 3rd, which I believe is next week, we have our um, annual business meeting. It's at 1230, and it's in the venue. And so if you want to hear what's going on in a big way, in a big scale for our church, um, make sure to be there. Um, and it'll be a great time to be able to uh, you know, hear about the, what's coming up for Hopevale for the next year. So 1230 next week in the venue, our annual business meeting. Well, as the ushers come forward this morning to collect our tithes and offerings, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. God, we just, uh, we thank you for who you are. And God, we, uh, we thank you that we get a chance to, to come here. We, we live in a country where we have the freedom to gather. We have the freedom to worship. And uh, God, we're so grateful and so thankful for that. And so God, we just want to pause in our service today to to just say thank you with our lips and say also say thank you with resources that you blessed us with. And so, God, I pray that as we give, we would give with a cheerful heart, with an abundantly cheerful, cheerful heart that says, God, thank you so much for what you've given. We want to give back. 
And God, we know you're going to use this um, money to, to do amazing, miraculous ministry in the lives of people, um, both here in, in our township, in our city, and all over the world. And so, God, we pray expectantly uh, that you're going to do some amazing things. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Remain seated for just a few moments while we give, and we'll get you up in just a minute. Rob, take us in, man. Carrie's going to lead us in this song, Worship Ever Be. Let's worship together.
presence in this place today. We thank you that we have the invitation and the permission to approach your throne of grace with boldness and confidence, not because of who we are, not because of what we have done, but because of you, Jesus, because of what you did for us. We just want to tell you this morning that we love you. Enable us to be a people who lives our lives with your praise always on our lips, always through our actions. Every morning, may we get up with that kind of an attitude. God, remind us, remind us. We love you, Jesus, and we love you so much. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. No, I, I love the bridge of that song. And I was uh, just kind of thinking about it um, last night, actually, and the, the bridge that says, you will be praised, you'll be praised with angels and saints. We get to cry, worthy are you, Lord. And I just started thinking about that phrase, worthy are you, Lord, and it kind of drew me back to a passage in the, the book of Revelation that I want to read this morning before we uh, head into a time of communion. John is, is seeing a, a vision of the throne in heaven. And he sees a vision of Jesus, and it's, he says that Jesus looks as though he is a lamb that was slain. And he says this, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. And I just started thinking about that whole scene. The fact that, that here is Jesus described as a lamb who was slain. 
the crucifixion. And everyone is, is saying and shouting and singing and praising, worthy is the Lamb. He truly is worthy. And the cross of Jesus Christ that we're going to celebrate today celebrates how Jesus is worthy of our worship. It really does. And so once a month, we get to, we get to express that. We, we express it every week, but we get to celebrate it in a very uh, specific way by taking communion together as a church family. And what we say here at Hope Vale is that, that you don't have to be a member uh, of Hope Vale um, to take communion. That all that we ask is that there'd be a time in your life where you said yes to Jesus, where you said, I want to follow Jesus, and you made a commitment to him to follow him for the rest of your life, to be a Christian as the Bible would, would say it. And so that's it. That's all we, we ask. And so if that defines you, we would say as the, the elements are passed, take it, participate with us, remember the death of Jesus with us together. And so if you're, you're not a follower of Jesus, if there has not been a time where that has been true of you or you've made that commitment, we would ask as the elements pass by that you would just let them pass. And we ask that out of a couple of reasons. Number one, we ask that out of respect for what we're doing here and what it means to us. But we'd also ask it out of respect for yourself because we wouldn't want you to participate in something that would just kind of be an empty ritual. We're not about doing empty rituals around here. But we would ask you to consider a really deep, meaningful question. And that question is this, who is Jesus to you? This, this one we celebrate, the one that we say is worthy of our worship. Who is that to you? Who is Jesus to you? There have been moments like this where, where people have realized who Jesus was to them and gave their lives to him in that moment. So we want you to consider and ask yourself, that question. And if you're a parent of a small child here, we would just ask that you use your parental discretion um, and maybe use this as an opportunity um, to teach them about who Jesus is and what the cross means. Um, and maybe this will be a day that they can come to faith in Jesus. It would be an amazing day to do that. So as the, the ushers um, prepare uh, to serve the bread, let's go to God in prayer. God, we, um, we want to say worthy Worthy are you, Lord. Jesus, worthy, the Lamb who was slain, to receive honor and power and glory and all of our worship. And so on a moment like this, we, we think of your body that was broken for us on the cross. And God, we, we remember that. Jesus, we remember that. And we, we ask that, that it would never be something that we would take for granted, but that we would continually bring it as a place of worship to you and say thank you so much for the cross and for your body that was broken for us in Jesus name amen on the night that Jesus was betrayed he was in an upper room with his disciples and uh, he, they were celebrating the Passover meal together and a part of that meal was some unleavened bread and he took that bread and he broke it and he handed it to his disciples he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray for the cup. Jesus, the, the cup that we're about to drink reminds us of your blood. It reminds us that the grace that you offer is free, but it's not cheap that it came at a, at a cost. 
But Jesus, you were willing to pay that cost. You were willing to go to the cross for us. And so we say thank you. And we remember your sacrifice for us that offers us the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus, may we ever come before you in a state of worship and love and humility, knowing that you paid the price for our sins. And may this cup be a reminder to us of that price and how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Sing this song that we know so well as we take and hold the cup. Take us in, Rob. Yeah. 
That same night, as he was gathered with his disciples, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. This is the new covenant. And as long as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. God, we, we remember the cross of Jesus. And we say a huge thank you for it. And God, may we never forget. And we, may we never take for granted what Jesus did on that cross for us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And God, I just pray that you would um, bless Pastor Dan as he comes and uh, preaches to us. God, use his words to help us understand you better and understand your will better for us and help us leave here different than we came. In Jesus' name, amen. Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hope House. It's such a joy to share this morning of worship with you. Such a, a privilege and mutual encouragement happening in this place. Want to also welcome aboard those of you worshiping with us in Bay City. Great to have you along. And uh, if you're catching the service online during the week as well, just so great to have you here. Well, in addition to this being Memorial Day weekend, great weekend to remember as uh, Americans and the blessings of our nation. In addition to this being Communion Sunday, and a joy it is and a privilege for us to remember our Savior's death. Today, this day, May 27th, is also the 29th wedding anniversary for this couple. Take a look. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wow. 29 years, unbelievable. And I look at that picture, two things come to mind. First of all, man, I am so blessed, really. I mean, to be married to Kathy, grateful to God, it's gone far beyond my wildest dreams and can tell you God's honest truth. Love her even more now than when we first said I do back in 1989. So, so good, right? That's the first thought. The second thought is this. Man, that is a sweet looking stash, don't you think? <laughs> no, no. I mean, who could say no to that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Boy, got to love the 80s, huh? Yeah. Anyways, uh, Kathy's actually serving in Bay City today, so a special happy anniversary. Shout out to you, babe. Love you so much. So there we go. All right. Well, this morning, we're going to continue a series we kicked off a couple weeks ago called It Is Well. It Is Well. Finding peace in an anxious world. You know, we're just a couple weeks into it, and I'm already getting a lot of positive feedback from many of you about how the Lord is using the hope of his word to bring peace to your heart and perspective for your anxieties, right? 
And it's good to hear because all of us, to some degree or another, we wrestle with worry and anxiety. It's part of the human condition. It's what it is to be finite human beings in a fallen, fragile, and frightening world. And so the question isn't, will we worry? But rather, the question is, what will we do when we worry? How will we respond when life is out of control and we feel like we're in over our heads? Well, I've been thinking about that question this week. And, you know, I was thinking about our typical responses when it comes to worry and anxiety. And at risk of oversimplification, I think we tend to go in one of two directions when we get anxious. Take a look. That sometimes when anxiety strikes, it paralyzes us. Paralyzes us. We become overwhelmed and we shut down completely. Now, it's not like we stop thinking about our problems because we don't. No, we are definitely, right, playing that over and over in our minds. It's on overdrive. It's just we feel trapped and helpless, like there's nothing we can do about it. I heard one anxiety sufferer describe it this way. It's kind of like a car that's spinning its wheels on ice, right? That I go over the same thing over and over and over again, but I'm not making any progress. And paralyzing anxiety can also strike those of us who tend to be perfectionists, right? There's some kind of choice we have to make, but either we're overwhelmed and intimidated by the number of options before us, or we're afraid of making the wrong choice, and so we do nothing at all. We freeze up. Paralysis, do nothing. That's one of the responses that we often have in the face of anxiety. The other, though, is panic. Right? It's the frenzied response of feeling like, i got to do something right now right away to fix it or else, right? And quite frankly, that's what we saw last week in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus describes the pagan or the godless response to worry. So Jesus says, you know, so do not say, you know, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or what shall we whatever. Do not worry about those things, right? He says, for the pagans run after all these things. And they run after them. And we too can be like that where we double down on our busyness, where we ratchet up the activity, thinking that's the solution. So, as, so for instance, if we're stressed about our finances, right, we can busy ourselves with our work. We can gun for a promotion. We can look for a better paying job. We can obsess over the stock market. Or maybe we can try to strike it rich with some kind of shady investment scheme. It's the panicked response of trying to do all that we can to make our worry go away when in reality we're only making it worse and winding ourselves up even further. So on the one end, you got do nothing. On the other end, you've got do everything. And at one time or another, I think we've all been in one of both those places as we've responded to worry and anxiety. As a matter of fact, some of you might be there right now, right? Took all you could have just to walk through these doors. And if you're there, if you're feeling that, I'm sorry you're having to go through that. I, I really am. That's just something we go through here in life. And yet, thankfully, God gives us another choice, a different way, a, a better path we can take in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our worry. You know, we can do something. And that something is prayer. 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 That nestled between paralysis and doing nothing, or panic and doing everything, that even when we're in the grips of anxiety, or should I say especially when we're in the grips of anxiety, God invites us to pray. 
to pray, to come to him in faith, not fear, and to ask for his help. To ask for his help, not just with the worry itself, but also with those threats, real or perceived, that are at the root of our worry. And so when life feels out of control, when we're stressed to the max, there is a God who is in control. There is a God who cares for us deeply, and he longs to hear our voice in prayer as we call out to him in the midst of our storms. And so today, we're going to see what God in his word has to say about prayer. Prayer related to anxiety and why it's so vitally important for us to pray as we live in this anxious world of ours. And then also as we get toward the end, I also want to share a few suggestions about how we can get over some of the hurdles that keep us from praying. So with that in mind, let's go ahead. We're going to take a look at the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. These are words of instruction, words of encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Paul, who is the major author of the New Testament. Paul, who is one of the key leaders when the church first began after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 6. Before I read, let me give you a little context, right? So here's Paul. He is this leader in this new Jesus movement, and he goes around preaching the good news of Jesus all throughout the Mediterranean world. Many people responded to the good news that Paul was sharing, and as a result, Paul planted new churches in most of these cities. This is how, uh, by the way, Christianity spread well beyond Jerusalem where it first began, and you can read more about that in the New Testament book of Acts. And while now all this sounds rather glamorous, right? Churches growing, Paul preaching. You know, his reality was far from that. There were numerous times where religious and civic leaders were hostile to him, to his message, to the point of threatening his life and trying to kill him, right? Now talk about stress. Talk about anxiety. And then on top of that, on this occasion, Paul is writing a letter to Christians who are part of a church in a Mediterranean city called Philippi. And he's doing so while he's imprisoned under house arrest, right? Imprisoned, not knowing if or when he will ever get out. And then there's this church, this church that he's caring deeply about, and they're going through their own sets of struggles, right? There's division. There's discord. People are fighting. They're behaving selfishly toward each other, so much so that he actually names two of them by name and says, you guys need to get along. And then there are also these false teachers, right, who are going against the gospel and undercutting Paul's message of grace by imposing a bunch of legalistic rules on the people there. And then on top of that, you sense by reading Philippians that uh, there are people worried about finances, about money, struggling with contentment. And yet there is Paul, right? It's got to feel helpless. He's writing this letter from a distance, under house arrest. There's nothing he can do about it other than hoping and praying that they're going to listen to him, right? So in the midst of his own stresses, Paul encourages the Philippian church in their anxieties by these words, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In other words, if we're anxious, do something. And more specifically, that something we're supposed to do is to pray to God about our situation. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. 
And these verses that we read remind us so much of the Matthew 6 passage we looked at last week where Jesus says, don't chase after everything you're worried about like the, the godless people, pagan people who don't believe in God, but rather seek first God's everlasting kingdom. Seek first God's eternal righteousness and do so as a matter of your priority, as a matter of your passion, because as you do, your heavenly Father's gonna take care of the rest, right? See, in our anxiety, Jesus doesn't slap us on the wrist, doesn't wag his finger in disgust. He doesn't scold us to stop worrying and leave it at that. No, Jesus takes it a step further. He says in Matthew 6, stop worrying, and then instead, start seeking. And guess what? That, that's the exact same pattern Paul follows here, right? He doesn't just say, don't be anxious. Stop being anxious. And so we think to ourselves, stop being anxious, stop being anxious, stop being anxious, stop. We know how well that works, right? Yeah. No, he gives us an alternative. That instead of being paralyzed or panicked by our anxiety, we are encouraged to present our requests to God in prayer. The alternative, the better alternative. I love that Paul says in every situation, right? Every situation. If you're like me, we can often beat ourselves up because we're anxious about things that seem so small and so trivial. And so we think to ourselves, you know, I should be better than this. Right? I can't believe I'm getting worked up about something so silly, and yet we are. Right? And so what I love here is that Paul cuts us some slack. Because when he says in every situation, he means in every situation. Not just the big situations that we deem as prayer-worthy, no, Paul says that all of life is prayer worthy. All of it, even the small stuff that we're sweating, even the small stuff that's got us worked up in every situation. I mean, how freeing is that? So for instance, maybe you don't like talking on the phone, right? But there's a call that you gotta make and you're all worked up inside. And so you're thinking to yourself, you know, this shouldn't be such a big deal, but it is to you and guess what, that's okay. It's okay in the sense that it is prayer worthy. Paul is giving us to pray about something like that, right? To ask for God's help in the midst of our anxiety in every situation. Now back to the verse, even though Paul uses these two different words here, you know, prayer and petition, they're essentially the same thing, right? They're both basic common words in the New Testament. Prayer is kind of the, the general word. Petition, or other translations say supplication, has this idea, you know, back in, in royal times of a commoner asking this royal authority figure, the king, the prince, the queen, for help, right? Going to someone who has both the power and the position to do something about the problem, right? In every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Present your request to God. This is an open and standing invitation for us to come to God in prayer in the midst of our anxieties as someone who is in control and cares about us deeply. And as we present those requests, we need to be as specific as possible. Specific as possible. I was thinking about that. My mind raced, and this is kind of crazy, but to that classic uh, Christmas movie called A Christmas Story, right? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? That You've got the elementary-aged boy, Ralphie, right? Christmas is coming up, and he has one, only one present in mind. And so he gets his final shot to ask Santa for that present, right? And after he kind of freezes up the first time, and it's his, 
his chance when he's asked the question, what do you want for Christmas? He doesn't just say, I want a BB gun, right? No, he says, I want a Red Ryder 200 shot, carbine action, range model air rifle with a compass and a thing in the stock that tells time, right? I mean, bam, specific, right? You know what you want and you ask for it. Now, just to be clear, don't soundbite me. I'm not saying God and Santa are the same, okay, right? No. What I am saying is this. I think for a lot of us, we need to get beyond prayers that are weak and vague, right? When we ask God for help. <laughs> See, our prayers, sometimes we say something like, God bless me today. God bless me. You know, and that's not a, a bad prayer. I don't want to scold you for that. You got to admit it's pretty general because one, God blesses us every day, right? And two, how do we really know he's answered that prayer beyond the blessings that he already gives us, right? Now, can we trust God even further by making our prayers more specific? I love this, this line from Christian author and Pastor Max Lucado who says this, that a specific prayer is a serious prayer. A specific prayer is a serious prayer that we're really asking God to show up in those specific situations that are causing us anxiety. So instead of praying, God, bless me today, God, help me with my trouble, what, what if we prayed something like this? God, I'm really concerned about my teenage son, Jake. He seems to be pulling away from us and he's hanging out some, with, with some friends that aren't so good for him. You know, I, I want to talk to him about this, Lord, without pushing him away. So show me when we need to have that conversation. Give me the right words. Give me the right tone to use with him. And then, God, would you also soften Jake's heart? Would you, would you make him open to what you want him to hear? And God, if there's something troubling him on his mind that he needs to share with me, give him the freedom to do that. Help me not to respond in anger, but really to listen to what he's saying, right? Father, this is a request I'm presenting to you. And so hear this prayer. Answer this prayer for our good and for your glory, right? I mean, as parents, those are things we worry about, right? I mean, why not spell it out? Why not lay it before God? Because a specific prayer is a serious prayer, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I think sometimes I pray a vague or a general prayer because I lack faith. I lack faith and courage that I'm either not willing to trust God or I'm afraid of being disappointed and let down, right? Maybe you've done that before. I mean, I'd love to say I'm beyond this, but I'm not. Still this work in progress, I'm still growing in my faith. And so even with all the answers to prayer that I've seen in the past, you know, in my life, in my home, in this church, I still, I still need to keep on reaching out to God to trust him with prayers that are serious, and specific, and my hope is that you'd feel the same way too. That's why Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God. Now, before I go on, I just want to mention those two words I left out, right? Right there towards the end, which are probably the two most underrated words in this entire passage, right? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, that as we present a request to God in prayer, as a way to combat our anxiety, we need to do it with a spirit of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude. 
a spirit of thanksgiving and a heart of gratitude. Listen, if we're going to rise above our worries, if we're going to move past our anxieties, we need to purposefully and proactively thank God for his countless blessings. See, gratitude, it's not just something we feel, it's also something we choose. It is an action, it is a practice, and it makes all the difference in the world. See, anxiety is the perspective that sees life with the cup half empty. Gratitude sees the cup half full. Gratitude, you know, looks at the worries of the future, or anxiety looks at the worries of the future and wallows in those. Gratitude rejoices in all that God has done. It's the difference between what if versus already, right? What if versus already? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if he breaks up with me? What if, what if, what if? That's where anxiety lives. But a godly gratitude that seeks first God's kingdom and his righteousness clings to the sure and certain hope of Jesus Christ. It's able to cut through all the clutter, all the worry, and is content with the blessings that we have from God, big and small, seen and unseen. So instead of focusing on what we don't have, instead of obsessing over what we might lose, let us be the kind of people who, in addition, who are asking God for his help, are also thanking God for his grace, his blessings, his goodness towards us. Because I would think in the same way that I say a specific prayer is a serious prayer, I'd also say that a specific thanks is a sincere thanks sincere. That even now, if you feel bound up in worry and anxiety, take the time to purposefully express your gratitude to the Lord. With what? With a simple, specific prayers that begins with the word, you know, God, I thank you for, and fill in the blank. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for this church. Thank you for my job. Thank you for my abilities. Thank you for my health, that I'm even here, alive, for providing for my needs, right? I mean, that's the power, Philippians 4, 6. All those words Paul put in there on purpose. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And when we do that, what's going to happen? Here's where the magic comes in, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That when we purposefully seek our Heavenly Father in prayer and present a request to him, in addition to him answering according to his will, by his way, in his timing, that as we invite him into the place of our worries and anxieties, God also promises to pour out his peace upon us in a way that's going to transform the way we think, the way we feel. As we face the uncertainties of life, as we look at all those things we just can't control. The peace of God which transcends, or other translations say, surpasses all understanding. Is Paul's way of saying that in response to our prayers, God is going to give us the, the supernatural peace that is beyond human explanation. The supernatural peace that is beyond human explanation. You're not going to be able to put it into words when you're experiencing it, but it is a peace that is true. It is a peace that is real, and it is a peace that prevails. And Paul's promise here reminds us of a passage we saw earlier in this series, the words of Jesus from John 14, verse 27, when Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, right? 
That the peace of God that Paul's describing here is this supernatural peace that is not of this world. So as try as we may, right, to try to find peace through other means, you know, whether it's medication, marijuana, drink, drugs, legal and illegal, yoga, meditation, nature walk, quiet places, safe spaces, you name it, right? These things will only get you so far in your pursuit of peace. That's peace as the world gives, but the peace of God that we can experience when we seek him in prayer it's unequaled, it's unrivaled, it is unexplainable. It is a peace that is beyond our comprehension. And it's a peace, Paul says, that will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul uses this military word, right, to describe what's happening. And God says, you know, there's going to be this armed guard, this rugged combat soldier, it's going to watch over our heart, who's going to protect our inner world from being attacked by worry and anxiety. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, what a passage. What a promise. And so when we put all that together, the message is clear, that the practice of prayer leads us to the promise of peace. The practice of prayer leads us to the promise of peace. Peace, so don't be paralyzed by your anxiety and do nothing. Don't be panicked by your anxiety and try to do everything. But in your anxiety, do something, and that something is prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, this is just one more way of God assuring us that we're not in this thing alone, right? The heart of peace knows. The heart of peace believes. The heart of peace acts on this rock-solid truth that even in the midst of our anxiety, there is a God who cares for us, and he is in control. And so if you truly do believe that God is inviting you to seek him in prayer, that he really does want to pour out his peace upon your life, then how do you make that happen, right? How do you make that happen? What should you do next? That after the service, as you head into your week, how do you put this passage into practice? Well, I know we're all different, but I think there are a lot of us here who might be holding back in prayer. And we're holding back in prayer, not because of unbelief, but because of inexperience or intimidation, inexperience or intimidation, that when it comes to praying, you don't know what to do or you're afraid of doing it wrong. So let's talk about that. Right? Let's dispel some of the unnecessary and unimportant obstacles that might be keeping us from praying. Now, there might be a lot of them out there, but I've identified four common obstacles that I've seen with people before. Here they are. I'm not in the right place. It's not the right situation. I don't know the right words. I don't have the right faith. It's not the right place. I, I, I'm not in the right place. It's not the right situation. I don't know the right words. I don't have the right faith. Right place, right, right situation, right words, right faith. So let's talk about these. Let me show you how these don't need to get in the way of you presenting your request to God. First, I'm not in the right place. You know, this is for those of us who associate praying with being in church, okay? 
Now, don't get me wrong. Church should be a place for prayer, but it's not the only place for prayer. You know, if you've been with us for a while here at Hopewell, you've heard me talk about a 168 kind of faith, 168 kind of faith, 168 representing the hours we have in a week, that God wants us to have a faith where Jesus is relevant to every hour of our week and every area of our lives, right? It's a mindset that doesn't put Jesus in a box or limit him to a certain time or a certain place. You know, I think of Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. They're having a conversation, and she thinks that you could only meet God at this certain sacred mountain. And Jesus says, you know, it's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship, that we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. So likewise, when it comes to prayer, you know, as you, you leave here, as you go to your home, drive in your car, take a walk in the woods, you need to know that our God is right there with you, and he's just longing for you to reach out in prayer, wherever you are, right? So any place is the right place to pray. And then second, it's not the right situation, right? It's not the right situation. You know, I've talked about this one already. I'm not going to spend much time here, but the point is this, right? That there's nothing you're going through that is too small or too insignificant to pray about, right? There's nothing. Don't you be the judge if something seems too trivial to bother God with, right? Because it's not. Listen, if this is your obstacle, I just encourage you to go back to Philippians 4, verse 6 and read it over and over and over. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, every situation, every situation, every situation is prayer worthy. So use that as an invitation to bring your requests to God. Third, I don't know the right words. <laughs> this, again, is where inexperience and intimidation try to keep us from praying, but we shouldn't let us, you know, let that happen, right? God's not up there, right? Like some driver's ed instructor, we're trying to get our license, and he has this huge checklist, making sure we do the right things in the right way, in the right order, it's not looking down going, oh, Fred, sorry. Should have thrown a few more thou's in there. Nah, no good. <clears throat> You're out, right? Sally, oh, you know, I was looking for some bigger theological words like omniscient, omnipresent, right? right? No. That's, God's not like that, right? Now, don't get me wrong. The God we worship is enthroned in heaven above, right? He is certainly worthy of an attitude of reverence and respect. We shouldn't be flippant, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid of messing up, right? Don't worry about your words, because if your prayer is secure, if it's sincere, that's more than enough. Because this almighty God that we're approaching is also our heavenly Father who longs to hear our voice. Can you see God as that loving heavenly Father? And so when we seek him in prayer, we're not bothering him. We're pleasing him. So just start somewhere. I've heard it said that our prayers to God are like the pictures kids draw for their parents, right? That they give to their parents. Look what I drew, right? I mean, no parent looks at a kid's picture and says, Billy, oof, <laughs> wow, bad choice of colors. <laughs> right? The head there, way out of proportion with the body. And the D's and daddy, they're going the wrong way. Why don't you take this back and try again, right? No way. The heart is thrilled 
The father rejoices. The picture goes up on the fridge. Right? Do not let intimidation, do not let inexperience keep you from praying. If you say something with sincerity, those are the right words, right? And then finally, I don't have the right faith. I don't have the right faith. I'm thinking of those of you who have come here today. This is a big place. A lot of people, a lot of us, we, we look put together on the outside, right? Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm new to this church thing, or I'm coming back to the church after being away for a while, or maybe you've been going through the motions, but inside you're, you know, just dead as all get out, right? Your, flayed, your, your faith just, you know, feels flat. See, wherever you might be spiritually, you need to know that God is always right there waiting for us. Not only that, but God never tires of our new beginnings, See, here's the thing with prayer. We need to come to God as we are, not as we think we ought to be. Because prayer isn't for the super spiritual, it's for the super desperate. For those of us who know that we can never outgrow our need for God. By the way, I think that's why Jesus told us that all we need is a mustard seed of faith to see great things happen. A mustard seed of faith to see great things happen because the real power in prayer isn't isn't in the amount of our faith, it's in the object of our faith, right? The power to prayer isn't in the amount of our faith, it's in the object of our faith, right? God, yes, he wants us to grow in our faith in him over time, but even then, even as we spiritually mature as Christians, it's got to be about him and not us, right? So take God at his word, reach out to him in faith, however much or however little faith you have. Because when you do, especially in the midst of worry and anxiety, God will hear your prayer and he will pour out his peace. So here's my encouragement to you. Take those four common prayer obstacles and turn them into four prayer invitations, right? Any place is the right place to pray. Any situation is the right situation to pray about. Any words are the right words to use, and any amount of faith you have is the right amount of faith you need. And so as you look at your life, as you head into your week, I want to encourage you to do this this week, specifically, sincerely, and seriously. Pray about your anxieties. Don't live and do nothing. Don't live and do everything, but do something. And do this. Do that one thing that can and will bring you peace. Take God at his word. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So pray believe, and then watch God work. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the invitation and the privilege to come to you as our loving Heavenly Father. Thank you that all this is possible through the sacrificial death of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. And that we have gone from strangers to friends, from orphans to sons and daughters. We are yours and you are ours. 
and that you long to hear us, that we're not bothering you with our prayers, we are pleasing you with our prayers. And so God, may this practice of prayer lead us to the promise of your peace. Lord, we pray especially for those who are knotted up inside, who really feel pulled apart, panicked or paralyzed by their anxiety, that God, that there would be spiritual breakthroughs, even today, because we believe you can do all things. We believe that the God Paul is talking about 2,000 years ago is the same God we're worshiping today. And so God, invade our hearts, invade our, our prayers, take our fumbling, bumbling words, take our mustard seeds of faith and do amazing things for our good and for your glory. Let us seek you and let us experience that peace that transcends all understanding. May it guard our heart. May it guard our mind in you, Jesus, today, this week, and for the rest of our lives, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, let's stand and worship before we go. Even when my eyes can't see, and this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea.
It is well with me. We were singing that, and I thought, you know, this isn't so much a matter of positive thinking. It's a matter of promise believing. Believing that God's got this, and God's got me, and he really does. Next week, we're going to continue our series. We're going to talk about the, the power of our thoughts and our minds fixed on Christ as part of overcoming worry and anxiety. But as you go from here, May your eyes be fixed on Jesus, and may it be well with your soul. God bless you.